That was awesome. Way to go, Amanda. You should have your own Christmas special. <laughs> Way to go, Amanda. Yes. And if you want me to sing a couple songs on it, um, I'm more than willing to. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. So, back by popular demand, we're going to do a Kahoot. For those of you that have never done one before, basically it's just going to be a trivia. There's 10 questions, I believe. Um, so if you want to participate, we'll give you about a minute. And go to Kahoot.it, type in that game pin, pick a name. And yes, we have a prize today. Today we're playing for Reese's Peanut Butter Trees. The, the, the second option was a one-pound crunch bar, but it was kind of out of the price range that I was willing to spend for this Kahoot. So I apologize, but these are really good people if you have not had them. So we'll give you about 30 seconds. We have seven players. Okay, that's okay. We'll wait. So basically, how this is going to work is a question will be up on the screen. You'll have four different options, and just pick what option. You don't have to be a genius to do this quiz, but there are some tough ones. And this Kahoot's all about Phil Sousa, just saying. No. No, it's about Phil. It's all about Phil. So, Phil, if you're tuning in, this is all for you, buddy. All about Phil. Social security number will be on here, everything. All about Phil. We will... I made this quiz very fair. Anybody can win this quiz. Well, I will tell you the real answer. Are we ready to start? Okay, let's start this, Evan. Keep going. To the right, to the right. There we go. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Here we go. Christmas movies. Question number one in the movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. What is the Grinch's dog's name? Dog, Max, Lassie, Coco. Max. Oh, we started with an easy one. We all got it right. There we go. To the right, to the right. Up, up, to up. Right there. Phil. Phil is in the lead. In Christmas Vacation, what is the name of Clark's neighbors? Frank and Shirley, Todd and Margot, Eddie and Evelyn, or Rusty and Audrey?
Three seconds. Ooh. Okay. We're still. Phil. Oh. Ross. Number three. In Elf, what is the four main food groups of elves? Reese's, Snickers, Hershey's, and Lollipops. Syrup, chocolate, licorice, and pizza. Candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup. Or pizza, nachos, hamburgers, and candy. Oh, that was a lot to get in. Two seconds. One. Ooh. Who's in the... Phil! In Home Alone, what is Kevin's favorite kind of pizza? Cheese, pepperoni, sausage, or supreme? A cheese pizza all to myself. Okay. Who's in the lead now? Ooh, Phil's still in the lead, but I'm Caillou is not far behind. Here we go. Patrick's doing well, too. Ross and Rudolph. What is the main character's name in the movie A Christmas Carol? Jack Altermatt, Clark Griswold, <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge, Oliver Twist. Ebenezer Scrooge, okay. <laughs> so we got the same. And Jingle All the Way, who is Turbo Man's sidekick? Arnold, Dementor, Jamie, or Booster? <laughs> we hate you, Booster. Okay. Phil, still in the lead. In Home Alone 3, what is the name of the main character? Peter, Kevin, Alex, Marv. Ooh, it is Alex. I'm Caillou. In the movie The Santa Claus, who plays Santa Claus? Tim Allen, Bill Murray, Will Ferrell. Tom Hanks. Tim Allen. Here we go. It's a close one. In Home Alone 2, which U.S. president makes an appearance? Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, or Barack Obama? It is Donald Trump. Okay. What is the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time? How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Home Alone, Elf, Christmas Vacation. Home Alone. And the winner is, in third place, we have Ross. In second place, Phil and the champion. I'm Caillou! Yes! Yes! Hey, we're so glad you're here. Will you guys stand and sing some uh, Christmas songs with us this morning?
the first Noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep no
Good morning, everybody. We are very glad that you are here joining us in person or online. I'm also doing sound today, and I forgot to turn the reverb, reverb, reverb off before I came up here, but that's okay. You can still hear me and understand me. The first and biggest announcement for today is that after church, Clay's going out to lunch. That's pretty awesome. And he will also buy you lunch as well. So if you want to go to lunch with Clay, uh, come see him uh, before the service is over, and he'll take you out to lunch. Right, Clay? Uh, the only catch is you have to be a teenager because he's a youth pastor. So sorry if I got your hopes up. But, yeah, if you're a youth and you want a free lunch, I was always told by my mom there's no such thing as a free lunch. Wrong. Go see Clay, uh, and he can hook you up with that if you are of youth age. Uh, but for real, though, uh, I, this, this breaks my heart, but unfortunately, we will not be able to have a Christmas Eve uh, service this year. There were too many crucial people, especially uh, sound booth type people that uh, were going to be out. And of course, we have the COVID precautions that are always on the back of our, uh, our minds. So there's uh, no virtual, no in-person. There is a virtual Christmas Eve service now. That's okay. There's a virtual uh, Christmas Eve service, but don't come here on Christmas Eve, and my heart is still broken because Christmas, the Christmas Eve in-person service was like, if you have been at Crosspoint for any length of time, like Easter is important, Good Friday, all, like all those things, but man, there is, has always just, since we've been coming to Crosspoint, something super special about the Crosspoint Christmas Eve service, and it is always like the highlight of the year. And so I am thankful uh, for this surprise uh, information that we will be having a virtual service, and that is something that we're going to tune into, and I hope that uh, you will join us there. Other than that, the same service time uh, announcements apply. So there will be no in-person and no online service on the 27th. So that's the Sunday in between Christmas and New Year's. Traditionally, we have taken that Sunday completely off. So no in-person or online on the 27th. 
and then on January 3rd, it is online only. We're trying to give a little bit of space. We know a lot of people are going to be uh, gathering and whatnot for Christmas, so we're going to give some COVID uh, space there, which puts us all back here in the building and online together on the 10th of January. So if you have any questions about the schedule, come see me. Uh, Chelsea's been pretty good about keeping that uh, posted on Facebook with graphics and whatnot. So me, Paul, any of the church leadership, we can help guide you through that if you're like, what did he just say? He went through that super fast. So that is all I have for announcements. We are very glad that you are here. And if I don't get a chance to tell you before we leave today, have a Merry Christmas. Connection break, five minutes. So glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, we want to welcome you, whether you're in person here or online. I do want to say thank you to everybody here in person for wearing a mask. It means a lot to us, and we appreciate you doing so. Um, I have two things I'd like to say. The first and foremost is, anybody in building like this shirt? Do you like this shirt? Okay. I did not design this shirt. That, that was Chelsea. She did an amazing job like she normally does. But I would like to invite you, if you don't have one of these shirts, under what I once called the lamp of deliverance back there, sort of to the right, there's a stack of these shirts. You may find one that's your size. You may not. But if you find one that's your size, please feel free to take it and wear it proudly. We would love for you to have one. Uh, beyond that, I do want to plug the Christmas Eve service, okay? It is going to be 530. We're going to uh, have that live 530 on Facebook. Listen, it's not ideal. Uh, we wanted to have it in person. Like Jake said, it, it frankly is a little bit heartbreaking, but circumstances make our circumstances change, and we've got to be fluid with that. So we have a unique opportunity this year, 530 on Thursday night, Christmas Eve, to gather your family around for whatever activities you may be doing and watch a Christmas Eve service before you <clears throat> continue on in your evening there. And so uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm excited to have something, and hopefully uh, you will enjoy it and get a lot out of that service as well, even though we can't be here together. Um, speaking of Christmas, I love Christmas. Like, I love Christmas. I'm kind of crazy about Christmas. Now, my wife would tell you the opposite because I refuse to hang Christmas lights. Um, now, listen, that doesn't mean that I don't love Christmas. It just means that I love to live. Uh, me on a roof, not a great idea. And so or a ladder for that matter. Like I'm a little top heavy. So it's wind blows or I lean too far to the right and I'm going down. So it's really a safety thing. But I love Christmas. And one of the many reasons that I love Christmas, and I think the most important reason I love Christmas is because people change during this time of year. For the majority of us, everyone's just a little bit nicer. Everyone uh, a little bit more joyful. They have a little bit more hope. Um, it's really nice. Hope's in the air. Joy's found in all the little things. Um, if there was ever a year, ever a year to need Christmas, it certainly seems like 2020 is it, right? Uh, there's so many memes out and about right now about how 2020 is the worst year ever uh, and, and just like absolutely miserable. And, and it's a bad year. I mean, there's a lot of uh, heartbreaking things going on. But if we're being honest with ourselves, there have been years like this. There have been years in our history where it was filled with despair and darkness and people were dealing with heartbreak and sadness and guys, Christmas is that one time a year where the joy of the world has come for all men. And it's something that I think if we can focus on, then, then it's going to kind of change our outlook. And frankly, the year that Jesus was born was one such year that I'm talking about. It was a, it was a bad year. It was, a, it was a really dark time for the Jewish people. And so 
Uh, Jesus came in one of the darkest times of their history, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Today, we're going to look at Anna and Simeon. They're two individuals who are living in this dark time, and they really gave us a blueprint for how we should live and how we should um, focus our outlook, so to speak, when we're dealing with struggles like this. So in Luke chapter 2, 22 through 38, it's a bit of a long passage, so bear with me. It says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph, Joseph? <laughs> Joseph and Mary, I just invented a Bible character. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required. What the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, "Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace." For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So our background on these two characters, what we know about them largely comes from this passage. So I'm kind of going to repeat what we learned. But as far as Simeon goes, we learn that he's upright and devout. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. Guys, this is not just Simeon followed the rules, right? This is Simeon was chasing after God's own heart. And because of that, he had been promised by God that he would see the Lord's Messiah before his death. And we know, like I said, that he was, he was given that promise. And in meeting Jesus, his life was fulfilled. His own words, I can die in peace now, right? Everybody ever said that? Like, man, I could die. I, I usually say that after a really good meal. Not exactly probably comparable to what Simeon was going through. But you put a mean chicken fried steak in me, and I'm kind of like, okay, I could go now, right? Um, Anna. Anna. Anna was a prophet. Uh, Anna was the daughter of Penuel. She was very old. She was a widow for decades, and she had devoted herself to the Lord, to the, to the temple. She never left. She was praying and fasting and, and praising God every minute that she was awake. She was just there, and she was in it. This is important background information, but there's information that's not in this passage that's also important. Now, we've already talked about how Herod's rule was, was going on right now in this time, right? And he wasn't a very nice guy. Uh, he caused a lot of misery for the Israelites and for the Jews. But there's another, he wasn't the only ruler, so the, he was not the only ruler that was causing despair. You see, at this time, Bethlehem and Jerusalem were under Roman rule. And what was happening because of that was absolutely heartbreaking, especially when it comes to what's happening amongst the Jewish people. So basically what Roman rule did was it turned some of the Jews against their own people. And there's three major groups that were at fault here. The tax collectors, 
the religious teachers, the tax collectors, the religious teachers, man, I'm having fun today, um, and politicians. Wow, there we go. I, everybody wants to forget the politicians, right? Because Roman rule had, and what was happening, they were turning these Jews against one another. So these tax collectors were, were responsible for, for collecting this heavy tax burden on their own people. And they were living these very lavish lifestyles while their own people, their own brethren, their Jewish brothers and sisters were barely able to get by in this time. And they were taking advantage of the position that the Roman rulers had put in place. And so people are living in this time where the people that are supposed to be taking care of them, their own people, their religious teachers, their politicians, the people who are supposed to be fighting for them weren't doing that. They were actually fighting against them and they were taking advantage of them. And, and people were seeing this and it was just a real time of darkness. These people who were supposed to be looking out for their own just weren't doing that. And I know that we've all felt at times like we've been in a position where that's the case. Maybe it's been our parents, maybe it's been a boss, maybe it's our politicians. Uh, we just feel like no one's fighting for us. And so what was happening in the nation of Israel with, with the Jewish people, they were losing hope. And what Simeon and Anna teach us is that we, we can never lose hope in times of despair. We can never lose hope in times of despair. Now, Anna and Simeon were receiving this revelation of who Jesus was, and I believe that it was in a direct correlation to their steadfast dedication to hope. Their steadfast dedication to hope. They made a choice to choose hope instead of despair. They made a choice to place their hope in God instead of people and the things of this world. And if I didn't make it clear already, Roman rule was miserable. I know I kind of fumbled through that section, but Roman rule was just awful. The political climate was nasty. People were broke. If we cannot draw a parallel from that time to the time that we are currently in, I honestly don't know what a parallel is, right? It's really tough time for a lot of people out there right now. And people were experiencing all of these things, and frankly, they were losing hope. Do we not have these same fears? Do we not have these same trepidations, right? Your political candidate didn't win, and you're worried. For half the nation that happened four years ago, for half the nation that seems to be happening now, people are losing hope. They're worried. We hear stories almost every day about how these small business loans that were, that were given to help protect our economy and protect these small business leaders were given to these multi-million dollar athletes who really didn't need the money. And it seems like who's fighting for the little guy? We've got a virus running rampant. People are out of work. They're losing their homes. They're, they're struggling to put food on the table. And every day it seems to be more about who you know than what you know. As long as you've got that connection, you have an end. The dollar doesn't go as far as it used to, and it probably never will. Pastors are driving their Ferraris home from, from church on Sunday morning. By the way, that's not me, in case you were wondering. I still own a luxurious 98 Toyota Avalo. It used to be an Avalon, but I shut the trunk too hard one day and the end fell off. So that's a real thing. 98, not all the doors, not all the doors lock. Uh, they will if you do it manually, but I'm just saying, right? So I just want to make clear when I say that, not me. It's not me. I'm not driving a Ferrari home. I wouldn't know what to do if I was, okay? But here's the thing. When our focus is centered more around the health of our world and less around the health of our relationship with Jesus, the only outcome that we can have is despair. And that's the, the, what we see with Anna and Simeon and the rest of the Jewish nation at that time. 
You see an example of what it's like to put your faith and your hope in Jesus and to focus on that relationship and how you can strengthen it and how you build it. And you see the opposite side of the coin of people who are placing their hope in the world and being failed. I placed my hope in the world and it's failed me. You shouldn't be shocked. The world is full of sinful people and sinful nature and it will fail you. And every time we place our hope in the world, we are destined to experience despair. And that's just the fact of the matter. So when I say we can't lose hope in times of despair, understand that I'm not saying that that's some easy choice that, that, that we just get to make, but it is a choice that we can make. And that choice comes down to where are we placing our hope? Where are we placing our hope? Where are we building our foundation? And if we're building our foundation on Jesus, then in times of despair, our hope is not going to wane because we will understand that it's not this world that's going to bring us joy. It's not this world that's going to bring us blessing. Not in the long run. When we're talking about something that's steadfast, something that's eternal, that's only found in Jesus. And Anna and Simeon placed their trust and their faith in God and focus instead on their relationship with him. And that's what we need to do as well. It reminds me of the challenge given to us in Peter 1.13. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. You see, one day Jesus is going to come back. He came once, he left the earth, but one day he's going to come back. And, and the argument here, the challenge here in 1 Peter is to focus on that second coming. To focus on that second coming. See, Anna and Simeon had placed their hope in Jesus' first coming. They knew that a Savior was on his way. And so they were looking for that, and the Spirit had, had let them know that that would, that would be taking place. And at this time, in this passage, in the temple courts, it's revealed to them that Jesus is that Savior. And, and the reason, I firmly believe that the reason that they were able to hold out hope through their despair, through being taken advantage of, through being abused by their own people, through being kicked around and looked down upon, was because they had their hope for a glorious future and a Savior that was to come. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is coming back again one day. And we have to place our hope in that second coming. Because again, anytime we place our hope here on something temporarily, that will temporarily be here, it's going to fail us and we're going to feel despair. It seems that not losing hope in times of despair is about where we place our hope. The second thing that we kind of learned from this passage and that through my study uh, I saw a lot about was this. Don't let the failures of others lead you to failure. Don't let the failure of others lead you to failure. This is something that we all struggle with on many different levels, right? The thing that starts, okay, I'm, I'm just gonna say this. I'm a big guy. I know I say that a lot. Notice that I've dieted a number of times in my life because I know I need to lose weight. I wanna be healthier. I wanna feel better. But I always have those days where like I screw up really early in the day and I'm like, well, this day's gone. Might as well just pile on, Right? I had a cinnamon roll for breakfast. I wasn't supposed to, so I'm going to have like 45 ounces of beef and just sugar for the rest of the day. I'm just going to eat nothing but sugar, right? And so we have this goal set in mind, and we fail once, and so we say, well, hey, I might as well fail even more. And that's one of the worst mentalities that people have. 
Uh, it's the idea that I've failed or I've been failed, so I might as well just continue to fail. I messed up here or somebody hurt me, and so I might as well just give up on everything. What's the point of me trying? The church failed me, so I'm going to turn my back on God now. There's no reason for me to go to church. I was hurt. I can be a Christian without being in church. As long as I love God, that's all that matters. And I, I don't need an organization to, to help lead me spiritually because they've hurt me, and so I'll just turn my back on them. And Annie and Simeon are living in this day and age where their own people were turning their backs on them. Their own people were hurting them. Again, I said this, but their own people who were supposed to be looking out for them were doing the opposite. They're taking advantage of them. And it feels like, what do we have to hope in, at least for the rest of the world, but Annie and Simeon are, are, are placing their hope and their faith in Jesus. And it's really easy to kind of get that mob mentality, and it would have been really easy for Annie and Simeon to look around at their world and, and see all the just disaster that's happening. The people who are starving, the people who who aren't being paid a fair wage, the people who are working their entire lives to just give it all back in taxes, the religious leaders who are taking advantage of their people and aren't spiritually guiding them to God but are, are, are looking for a way to, to line their own pockets. And it would have been really easy for them to look all around them and say, well, everyone else is hopeless and everyone else is in despair and I see why they're that way and so we're going to give up too. We're going to give up too. But we can't let the failures of others and we can't let the fact that others may give up allow us to, to fall in line with that mentality and that thought process. If you're the only person doing the right thing, then it's worth it. That's a true measure of character. If you're the only person doing the right thing, then it's worth it. Regardless of what's happening on the, in the outside world. Don't let what's happening in the outside world affect what's going on inside of your heart. I'm going to say that again. Don't let what's happening in the outside world affect what's going on inside of your heart. I think it's one of the greatest struggles that we have. Because Satan will use what's going on in the outside world to try to snuff the light out that is in your heart. To try to separate you from God. To try to separate you from Jesus. To make you feel like there is no hope to make you feel like you should give up. Understand that when we place our hope in the things of this world, despair is going to be our only outcome. I want you to understand, I'm not saying that we can't experience grief. I'm not saying that we're not allowed to have sorrow. I'm not saying that there can't be times that we are sad and that we are angry. I'm just saying that when, when we experience those things, it is not okay for us to live there. Does that make sense? It's not okay for us to stay there just because we have that hurt and we have that pain. Because at the end of the day, we have a hope that cannot be touched by the disgustingness of this world. And that hope is Jesus. And just like I said last week, we can't be afraid of the journey that it's gonna take us to get back to him. Sometimes we're going to have to fight tooth and nail to get there. But we should understand that there is joy to be found in that journey. So again, if you're the only one that's doing the right thing, then do the right thing. That's a true reflection of character. 
That's what it's like to be godly. Choose good in spite of the bad. Do right in spite of being wronged. Make the best decision because it's the best decision and not because it's the easy decision or the decision that you want to make. Here's the next thing. It's not all about following the rules. It's really easy to blur these lines. Really, really easy to blur these lines. When I'm up here saying we've got to fight tooth and nail against the despair that we're feeling. It's really easy to look at that and say, well, I've just got to follow these rules. I've just got to check these boxes. But it's not all about following the rules. If we look in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 26, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. I'm going to say this right now. I know that the point I'm about to make is repetitive. It feels like I've maybe made it in every sermon for at least the last six to seven to eight weeks. And I know this because I write the sermons. Okay? So I know I'm going to say this. You're going to be like, didn't you already say that? And the answer is yes, I already said it. But as my Bible teachers once taught me when I was studying biblical studies and biblical languages and I was going after that degree, if something repeatedly shows up in Scripture, whether it's word for word or it's a, a theme, it's there for a reason, because it's important. Because ultimately it's important. And so I am just want to be clear. Yes, this is repetitive, but it's repetitive because it continually shows up. The message here is loud and clear. Life isn't just about following the rules. When Simeon is called righteous and devout, he's not being called righteous and devout because he falls within the parameters of the law. And this is a change that we have to see. And I don't know if I've done a, a good enough job of explaining this because before Jesus, in order to have a relationship with God, it was about following the rules. It's about falling inside of the parameters of the law. Jerrica's been reading through her Bible, the Bible challenge that I put out to everybody that I've been failing at and she's been keeping up with and I'm proud of you. She read through Leviticus. Guys, ask her. It was maybe the worst experience ever. It's literally just like an entire book of rules. Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this. This is how you should wear your clothes. This is what it should look like. Don't do this. If you do this, you got to be cast outside the village, right? And it's just rule after rule. And it, it, it seems tedious and it seems legalistic, but it was the only way that God was able to have a relationship with his people was that if they avoided sin by following all of these rules. But Jesus changes the game. He changes everything. And so it's no longer about just checking off the boxes, making sure you follow the rules and that you don't break the law. It's about chasing after God. And so when they sit here and they say that Simeon was righteous and he was devout, it's not, that ju it's not just that Simeon followed the rules. It's that Simeon constantly, every day, made a choice to chase after God. He made a choice to listen and follow the Spirit. And because of that, he was called righteous and devout. You see, Jesus did not come to the world for rule followers. He came to the world for God followers. There is a major difference there. Jesus did not come to the world for rule followers. He came to the world for God followers. And that distinction cannot be missed. 
It can't be missed. You see, life with Christ isn't about just not breaking rules. God does not want a relationship built off obligation. If he did, none of us would have free will. We'd be all running around like a bunch of robots, doing exactly what God had determined us already to do. But God gave us free will. God gave us choice. In part because he wants a relationship built off of love. A relationship built off of us choosing him as much as him choosing us. And he chose us. But it all comes down to whether or not we are going to choose him. So when it comes down to it, it's not about following rules. It's about desiring to be like God. It's about desiring to be in a relationship with God. It's about the desires of our heart. And two things have happened because of the churches, big churches, and, and individual lack of, of being able to grasp this fact. The first thing that happened is that the church has focused way too much on rule following. Way too much on rule following. We just beat people down. As a whole, the church has become a center of legalism. And, and when we have that at the center of our focus, we are chasing people away from the church. Can we just let Kevin Bacon dance already? <laughs> Do we always have to be so black and white with the way that we live life? I want to make sure that it's not being confused here, okay? The Bible's very clear about what's right and what's wrong. I'm not saying that, okay? Sin is sin. That's 100% true. But what's happened is the church has looked at things and it says, well, the Bible says don't get drunk on wine, so it's easy prohibition. We'll just put a rule in place. You got to follow that rule, right? Or, hey, the Bible says don't have adult relationships before you're married, so... Have you got abstinence? Right? And, and, and we just draw this line in the sand. You're either on the right side of it or you're a sinner. The fact of the matter is the church has never met an extreme it didn't like in the name of avoiding sin. In response to this, people who are sinful by nature get fed up with always failing. And they leave the church. And they abandon God. Because what we've taught them is that it's about following the rules, not about following God. Not about following God. So we've got a bunch of young kids and teenagers that are running around terrified because their hormones are raging and they had an impure thought. Or they slipped up and they, they went to a party and they drank something they shouldn't have. Or they lied to mom and dad. And it's built this relationship that's based on fear, not just with God, but with our families. And when people who aren't church, who are outside the church, view church, this is how they see it. It's just a bunch of Bible-beating hypocrites 
who don't actually love people. They just love their rules. They just love their stipulations. And so on the reverse side of that, we've got all these people who look at church and say, well, that's just a bunch of legalistic garbage and I don't need to be there. And I don't need to be in church. And so they look at biblical instructions within Scripture as legalistic and beneath them to follow. And they've convinced themselves that as long as they love Jesus, they know that Jesus loves them and that'll be enough. And they can live life however they want as long as at the end of the day they can say, I love Jesus and I believe in Jesus. The fact of the matter is, if you have overemphasized rule following above relationship or if you have a complete disregard for following biblical teachings, you, have, you don't have a rule problem. You have a heart problem. You don't have a rule problem. You have a heart problem. Your heart is not desiring Jesus. And that's as frankly as I can put it. So the fact of the matter is that we need to choose love, not obligation. And we need to choose biblical wisdom over personal desire. As the band starts to make their way back up to the stage, I'm going to leave you with one final point, okay? And it's this. Encounter Jesus with joy. Encounter Jesus with joy. Luke 2, 28 through 30. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You see, Simeon couldn't contain himself. The praise just flowed out of him. And what I want to tell you today is that if your relationship with Jesus feels like a chore at any point, you're doing it wrong. I'm not saying if your relationship with Jesus feels like it's hard work, you're doing it wrong. I'm saying if it feels like a chore. If at the end of the day, it feels like this is just an obligation that I had to do and not something that I found joy in, your relationship with Jesus has been corrupted by some outside something. Because our relationship with Jesus is about love and it is about joy. And it's the love that we have for Jesus and the joy that we find in following him that will then lead us to seeking out biblical teachings and wanting to align ourselves with what scripture has to say for us and how we should live our lives. Jesus came to bring peace and goodwill. He came because he loves you and he desires to have a relationship with you. And I am sure that it breaks his heart every time somebody looks at their relationship with him as a chore or an agenda item that they just need to check off the list. You know, church isn't the if-I-have-time activity in your life. And if it is, you're wrong. I love you. I do. But you're wrong. Jesus can't be put on the back burner. We've got to stop placing our faith and hope in a world that is going to fail us. But instead, we've got to choose to trust God and share that hope that you have in your life with the world around you, who in this 2020 Christmas season desperately needs Jesus as much as Simeon and Anna and the people of their day needed 
the hope of Jesus. So won't we choose, I beg you to choose joy and peace even in the depths of our despair and place your hope in the eternal God and not the things that are here today but that will be gone tomorrow. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the ability to come and to worship. Father, at the end of the day, help us to be like Simeon and Anna who were living in a time of of great despair, who saw darkness all around them in the world that they lived, but still made the choice to place their hope and their faith in you. God, we will all experience darkness because we live in a sinful and fallen world and we are sinful people. I just pray that in those times, we won't allow ourselves to stay there. Help us to grieve and then move forward to chase after the God who loves us more than anything else in the entire world. And lastly, Lord, help us to evangelize to the people around us to give them the hope that we have. Place that desire in our hearts above any other desire that we may have to make you a priority and to make our love for others a priority as well. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I'm going to have a mask on. I'm going to put my mask back on. I'm going to be standing back in the back. If you would like to come pray with me, if you need to pray about anything, please do so. Okay, Rodney is back. He'll be back on this other side. He's in the back row back there. Uh, If you want to pray with him, go pray with him. There's lots of other people I know here at our church that would love to pray with you. So if you're familiar with somebody, you know somebody, and you you want that, then, then just grab them and pray together. Otherwise, you can use our stage here as an altar to lift up both prayers and praise to God. If you want to talk to me about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus because you recognize that you don't, or maybe you've noticed that your relationship with Jesus has been corrupted by some outside force, then don't leave today without having that discussion with me. At the end of the day, our lives come down to a choice. This is my firm belief. It says on the back of our shirts, it's to choose second. It's to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and chase after him. And I think that in this time of year, when there's so much heartbreak and there's so much despair, created newly in this year or from years past, our world needs the hope that we have. So, my prayer is that you as members of Cross Point Fellowship will be like little lighthouses everywhere you go, that you'll just shine the light of Jesus on the world around you. Let's stand right now and let's just worship and praise God. And again, like I said, if you need prayer, come find one of us.
afraid every time I face the waves. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to fear the storm just because I hear it roar. I don't want to fear the storm. I don't want to fear the storm. Peace be still, say the word, and I will set my feet upon the sea till I'm dancing in the deep. Peace be still, you are here, so it is well. Even when my eyes can't see, I will trust the voice that I'm not gonna be afraid Cause these waves are only waves I'm not gonna be afraid No, I'm not gonna be afraid I'm not gonna fear the storm You are greater than its roar I'm not gonna fear the storm Just a boy. 
Now's the time that we uh, pray over our offering. Um, you can give online. The link is right there. It's a really easy thing to do if that's something that you're interested in. If you're a person who likes to give in person, uh, just a reminder that we aren't passing baskets at this time due to COVID stuff. But uh, under the lamp back there, there's um, some envelopes and a, a box right next to it that you can slide that in. Um, and so if that's what you'd like to do, we'll let you do that on your way out this morning. Uh, but we're going to pray over our offering. I do want to make one announcement before that because I was asked very nicely to. And so uh, Ava and Cordelia have made some very limited edition Christmas decorations if you'd like one, they're going to go fast, but you can grab one on your way out today. Uh, but other than that, we just want to uh, lift up our offering today. And so, God, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. We thank you that uh, we are blessed enough to receive tithes and offerings uh, as a church from people who believe in what we're doing. And, and we just want to, one, say thank you to them for that, but two, pray for wisdom and discernment and how we use that tithe and that offering so that we are, are, are using it in a way that helps to further your kingdom. Uh, at the end of the day, God, what makes up the church is the individuals that call it home and the individuals that um, give of, of what they've been blessed with uh, to make this church a church. And so uh, we just want to ask that as leadership, God, you help us to use this in the best way that we possibly can. We thank you again for this morning and the time of worship that we've had. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
with us this week. Have a Merry Christmas.